you are listening, listener, to Oblivion. It's November 29, 2021. Um, well, it is, I guess, the week of Omicron. The Omicron. <laughs> Sounds like some kind of uh, alien movie from the 1950s. I come from Omicron Pi. Planet Omicron. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, <clears throat> uh, of course, it was just a few days ago that it even was announced that it was discovered. Of course, now it's all over the news. Um, they really, uh, I'm reading here, New York Times latest. Omicron poses very high risk, WHO says. Biden seeks to reassure U.S. Uh, now, I'd, why the WHO would say that so quickly, I mean, it's, they don't really know uh, what it does. I know it's out there. They know right. It's quite mutated. So uh, let's let's just hope they're wrong about that. But uh, well, I think it's precisely because they don't know that they are urging caution. Yeah. I mean, you're you're much better off being cautious. Right. Until until you know. Well, although although I did I did read a um, an article that was pretty pretty good. It was. It was questioning the whole that the idea of of the the caution meaning like shutting everything down um, really doesn't work, you know, because um, I mean, basically, what happens is it's already gotten around, right, <laughs> and it's it'll still get around. Um, so these things where you shut stuff down uh, can cause a lot of problems in itself. Not like a a real solution, and uh, well, it seems to have worked for China. Well, they got it like right away, right? I right. mean, uh, um, but that's the problem with uh, Corona. It's it's like everywhere already, right? So, um, yeah, yeah, but the, I mean, they, the good thing about these arguments is that they're testable. For example, let's keep an eye on Europe. Yeah. And see if the the lockdowns that they have uh, reinstituted there are going to make any difference. And I think that there can be different reasons for doing lockdowns, and there can be different ways of evaluating their effectiveness. With with Europe, I think this is just a stopgap. Like they they have to get it under control. They have to make the numbers stop going up uh, so that their healthcare system uh, doesn't get destroyed yeah and, and, and overrun I, whereas I, in america we just say and i just uh, and one of the reasons that i'm i'm uh, bringing up these points is i had i had just read where biden has already ru- out, uh, ruled out lockdowns in anticipation of yet another surge and i think that's the stupid uh thing to do and he's going against what fauci said because fauci said we should be ready to do anything and everything and we should. I mean, this is it's two years in, it's still out of control. Nothing should be ruled out. And I one of the big mistakes that we make in America, and I think that they're they've made in Europe too, although 
not with such destructive uh, results, um, is that going hardcore uh, for the short term is the better way to go than the current situation where we have these uh, fits and starts and starts and, and stops and on again, off again. I mean, I think that drives people crazier than if you just got it through people's heads that this is a serious problem that has to be dealt with. And you did do a hardcore lockdown for a sufficient amount of time. And that's another thing that has to be taken under consideration is the duration of the, of the uh, lockdowns. Because if you lock down uh, long enough that uh, the thing doesn't have to spread over the time that you get resolution in the people who are currently infected, then uh, empirically there should be a significant reduction in infections. And you might actually be able to begin to do something like they are doing in China, where I think the other day they stopped like 500 flights and <laughs> they went crazy with their testing because three cases popped up. Um, so, uh, anyway, I think when it comes to the lockdowns and how effective they are, certainly Europe is something to keep, uh, an eye on. And I think that Joe Biden is, uh, once again, out of his mind and being a fool by saying, oh, we're not going to do any lockdowns. I mean, here's a, here's a question. Let's just say hypothetically, what if we had a million cases a day, right? And, 150,000 people were dying a day and they were of all different age groups. You just go, oh, we're not going to lock down. I said we wouldn't lock down. I mean, even George H.W. Bush changed his mind about uh, taxes. Remember that? I mean, this is former head of the CIA, Mr. Cold War, Mr. Persian Gulf War, Ronald Reagan's vice president. And even he said, yeah, we probably need to raise taxes. So, uh, but I've long thought that Biden was definitely. Um, more conservative than some of the prominent Republicans in our political system. <clears throat> yeah, here here's a here was a pretty good article on as Omicron variant circles the globe, African nations face blame and bans, and uh, with countries trying to close their doors to the new coronavirus variant, Southern African officials note that the West's hoarding of vaccines helped create their struggle in the first place, and. Uh, you know, that's uh, so further on in there. The cascade of travel closures triggered a wave of resentment among Africans who believe that the continent was yet again bearing the brunt of panic policies from Western countries, which had failed to deliver vaccines and the resources needed to administer them. Richer countries, having already hoarded vaccines for much of 2021, were now penalizing parts of the world that they had starved of shots in the first place, I said. Told you so, said Francois Winter, a researcher at the University of with the water strand in Johannesburg, referring to warnings from African researchers that delaying vaccinations there risks the emergence of new variants. It feels like these rich countries have learned absolutely nothing in terms of support. So, yeah, all behind this is, um, I'll, we, can, we can just say it, uh, capitalism is to blame. And, um, and, and along with it, um, I'm sorry to say, is this whole push for the, uh, quote, uh, boosters, which uh, 
you know, it's all well and good how safe and fuzzy everybody in the United States or wherever have these uh, boosters is feeling, but it's starving in the meantime, starving the rest of the world. And, well, only uh, if you assume that there uh, can't be more vaccine than there is. I mean, if well, yeah, there there is. I mean, there's a huge glut of it. Uh, a and and B, uh, of course, with the intellectual property side of it, they uh, have you know could very easily just have a waiver. It's not like that they have to just give it the whole thing, but have a waiver to try to break the. Uh, uh, you know, break the pandemic by letting the countries that can easily do it. It's not some kind of super hard thing to do to make these vaccines themselves until the right. pandemic's over. Right. And, uh, and it's been right. six months and still nothing's even changed a, a bit on that front. It's, right. It looks like they're never going to goddamn do it. No, and it's just outrageous. It's, um, it's you a know. scandal. It's really the scandal of, of 2021 is the failure to make sure by all possible means and with all deliberate speed that mm-hmm. enough vaccine is manufactured for the world and to get it actually supplied and to be available. Uh, Michael Osterholm uh, a couple of hours ago gave an interview where he was talking about the Omicron variant and he, his take was that it was an oversimplification to say that the U.S. and the richer countries were hoarding vaccine, and that's the problem with not getting these uh, countries in Africa, for example, uh, vaccinated. And Ulsterholm pushed back on that somewhat by saying that there's a lot of uh, vaccine hesitancy. And um, I, on, on the whole, I, uh, I respect Osterholm, and I think that he's uh, quite credible in everything that he said and his take on the pandemic, not just epidemiologically, but as a as a social problem. Um, but I think that he understated the uh, the problem of not having enough vaccine manufactured and distributed, and that the rich countries and the United States in particular ought to be really making it that they're primary mission. I mean, we would rather it be no doubt about it at all that the problem is these poorer countries are are like the United States, like they just don't want to get vaccinated and you can't make them rather than what it is now where uh, that may be some of the problem, but it's obvious that a lot of it is this, there's not enough vaccine in, in the world. And it's certainly outrageous, as you said, that the intellectual property rights for this specific uh, vaccine isn't that, that they're not waived and that these people can't both manufacture a good and effective vaccine themselves, but that also these people like uh, Moderna and Pfizer aren't made to make a sufficient amount of, of the vaccine, because then that way there wouldn't be this, I think, artificially created some game issue with regard to the booster shot well and, and it may, that if i get a booster then that deprives someone else of a vaccine well yeah i, I don't i don't think i didn't really mean to imply that well, but, but 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 what i what i mean by shitting on the i mean the goal of the booster i you know i think it's you know it was 
we've talked about this many times before, I don't think it was necessary. Um, now, it was probably, possibly a good idea for the older folks, you know, to get a little boost. Right. But uh, setting all that aside, I mean, the, the, main, the main reason they push this is profit. I mean, of course. What else do they do? That's all they I think about. <laughs> you know, so, so I mean, that's really pathetic. Yeah. And, and that, um, uh, yeah, it, it, at this point, there is a, there's a, a big over, there's overproduction, way more production in the United States uh, for Moderna and Pfizer than what uh, our consumption in the United States. So they could be flooding it. Uh, overseas right now, but they're not. They're sitting on it because that doesn't make any money, and there's nothing to, to stop them from doing that. You know, they they it's their you know that beyond the obligations that they have to their contracts in the United States, they don't have to do shit for these countries, and they're not going to. You know. Right, and I, I can't help but think about our posturing as a global force for good uh, militarily, and but unless we're uh, killing civilians and and killing children and starting wars uh, with our war criminal uh, government, suddenly uh, having a global influence or contributing to some kind of global cause doesn't seem to be all that important to us. Hmm. <laughs> well, I know better. I would. But say we're the we're the leader, David. Uh, we lead. We don't, get, you know, do stuff with other people. I, I really we think that the biggest story of all the pandemic is that humans have proven to be more frightening than the virus. That the way that <laughs> virus has been. Uh, protected that oh we're not going to deal with this you know we'll fight each other like crazy but we won't fight the virus uh like we would uh, a wildfire or an enemy in military combat but yeah so i think, I think with the omicron uh while we're still on that topic i think one thing that we want to uh, also discuss is what effect is the what is the Omicron going to do because some initial reports seem to be perhaps encouraging in that uh, the doctors down there are saying that the people who tested positive for the Omicron variant were reporting mild symptoms like they were tired, scratchy throat, these kinds of things, right? So you think, well, just because there's been this great number of mutations, um, that automatically isn't a bad thing. And I have said in the past that maybe one way out of this is that there will finally be a mutation where the virus uh, becomes benign because evolutionarily, that is in the best interest of, of the virus, right? Because if the, on the other extreme, if, it, if a virus were to infect a person and then instantly kill the person, the virus couldn't survive, right? So the, 
thing the virus has to do is it has to be able to infect people and basically take over their system and live off of them, but it's also got to keep them alive. It can't be so severe that it kills them or it also kills itself, right? It's like humans and climate change. If we make the planet uninhabitable, we will actually destroy ourselves too, not just all life as we know it uh, on, on the planet. Um, but the, uh, the problem with that uh, positive outlook is it's too early to tell because in general, the progression of illness with the coronavirus is the early days, it isn't so bad, right? It's about seven days in that the symptoms worsen, whereas with traditional viruses, the ones that we're familiar with, seven days is about the time we begin to expect things to get better, right? And that's one of the things I think makes this so scary is you can think, well, this isn't so bad, and then the next thing you know, it gets worse and you have to be in the hospital. And that may be the last building that you ever enter. Uh, and the way it really just keeps getting worse for people and they, there's no way to uh, stop it, I mean, is, is, is quite frightening. Um, so it's too early to tell um, if the Omicron is uh, a benign mutation or if it's going to be just as bad or even worse in terms of the onset of severe symptoms after seven days. And then, of course, the big question, and you've talked about this earlier, is what happens if this is the escape mutant? If, if this is the mutation <laughs> where uh, it becomes uh, impervious to, to vaccines and, and vaccines are uh, don't work against it. Yeah, because anything that comes from the planet Omicron uh, you better watch right. out. Um, yeah, so it's at this point it's total speculation. I mean, they were they're really worried. Of course, it's got a lot of uh, mutations, a lot more than the Delta had. So, uh, right, there's a lot there's more opportunity for it to be um, worse. Right, more infectious, and also that a vaccine isn't as effective against it because the vaccine was made for a certain kind of virus and it's all these changes on the spike protein, right? Mm -hmm. And so the, the antibodies are made to thwart those spike proteins. And so the more they change, the more you have to be concerned that the current forms of immunization won't be as effective. The other thing that's worried about this mutation is that once you get a mutation like this, and biologically, uh, people were quite surprised by the number of mutations, right? It wasn't just that there's this small one mutation, right? Hmm. It's a, something like 30 different uh, mutations, is that now we're going to have more mutations after this mutation. And that's where it really starts to get kind of surreal, where what if the mutation of the virus outpaces the capacity to make vaccines, to make updated vaccines that can deal with these uh, mutations, if you follow me? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, that's another thing that we just have to wait and see is, is uh, does, does it get around 
is it worse or similar to the Delta as far as it's getting through the, the vaccine? Right. That's the thing to keep an eye on as well as what happens in Europe. And then in the meantime, we have the Delta variant. Which, which is pretty much replaced everything, right? I mean, that's the only thing around as far as I right, know. Which is, but it's, um, it's wreaking havoc in Europe. And uh, I think in 39 states, cases are on the rise here. And regardless of Omicron, it was appearing that we were going to have another pretty grim winter, which I'm definitely going to predict December and January um, are going to be just as bad as they were last year. So one thing in anticipation of next week's podcast is I'm going to see if I can go back and look at just how many deaths there were in December and January of 2020-2021, and then we can compare those numbers currently. Now, with respect to the boosters and the waning of the vaccine, only 35 million of the 120 million people who need to be boosted, that is people who were fully vaccinated six months ago or longer, um, that's yet another problem. So we have the more infectious Delta variant, we have the Omicron variant, and we have uh, only 35 million of the 120 million uh, who, according to Dr. Osterholm, need to be boosted because their vaccine is, is, is waning. And I mean, that, that is a dangerous thing for people to, I mean, I, I look at the booster and say, if, you're, if you don't get one, you're playing with fire because um, you, did, you don't, the temptation is to get vaccinated and then to turn your mind off because I totally understand that. I want to stop thinking about this. I'm totally sick of it. I mean, I just hate this. My good grief. Um, but um, um, you don't want to, if, if your vaccine is waning, it, it gets to the point where uh, effectively you're no longer vaccinated. I mean, it's just like it was before you got jabbed. And with this Delta variant out there, regardless of the danger that the Omicron poses, it would be a good idea to get people boosted. And then on top of that, here we are still, what, less than 48 hours from December, and we're still under 60% vaccinated and the, in, the, in the United States. And to think about Europe with what's going on over there is they have higher vaccination rates, um, even you know, places like Germany and the Netherlands and Austria that are doing their lockdowns, those, those places have higher vaccination rates, and yet it's still so bad that um, that these European countries are going to have to do this. And I have to attribute like Americans' mentality to there's just no grasp of the basics at all when it comes to either science or math. And that you could say, well, yeah, 60%, 59.1%. I mean, that's pretty good. That's over half. But the other way to look at it is that's 40% of your population that's not vaccinated. And that may be less than, than half. But it's not just the percentage. You also have to look at the number it's a percentage of. And when you're talking about 330 million people, 40%, that's a lot of people. And that's basically true with any kind of national population. Like the Netherlands isn't a, a big country, but it's densely populated. And then if you think about the Dutch, the Germans, and, and Austria, you add up those numbers, how many millions of people is that? And even if it's something like, 25 to 30 percent are, unvac are unvaccinated. That's still a large 
number. You're still talking about millions of people. And these are all the people who are going to uh, get sick. Like the uh, German health minister said, by the end of the winter, everybody's going to be vaccinated, cured, or dead. And <laughs> I, I guess that's another possible positive way to look at this, in a, uh, albeit a twisted way, is that maybe we're finally getting to the point uh, of this with the severity of the contagion um, that it will get so bad that it's it's finally just going to push everything to some kind of resolution. You'll either fight it off and we'll have a uh, some kind of composite form of herd immunity or everyone will die. Yeah. You were asking about the, the death numbers. They were about uh, 22, 23,000 at the peak a day dead. Uh, In December and January? Uh, yeah, it was it was January where it really peaked out. That's crazy, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, that's a good 18, number to keep in mind. Eighteen thousand. Right now, it's. Uh, you wouldn't happen the, to know any numbers about? Uh, see, this is another thing that drove me. Nine hundred nine hundred sixty-one. Anyway, what? Would you happen to have a, a current number of how many are are dead? If, are we getting all, all that? All together, seven, 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 four, seventeen. Seven hundred, seven hundred and eighty thousand is is pretty close. Um, man, yeah, yeah, I see. I'm gonna. I see eight hundred thousand happening before <clears throat> New Year's. But the deaths have been the trend's been down, and even the overall infection rate. Uh, it was kind of going up, but it's calmed down a little bit, so it's hard to see if it's uh, still going up. Thanksgiving, of course, kind of pieces things. Yeah, but I, I just I think as long as <clears throat> the virus is out of control, uh, it, it's inevitable that there'll be another surge. It's just there's no way it won't happen. Yeah, but the the question is, will it be a surge similar? Will it be a lesser surge or a similar surge? Or that's things. Well, I would I would I predict that it'll be similar uh, or or worse because there's it's a more contagious variant out there. Hmm. And um, again, you have to look at the the number, not just the the, the percentage. And even with the people vaccinated. Um, so many millions of people if you if you have 40 percent unvaccinated that's plenty for this thing to chew up and destroy i'm just reading the daily coronavirus cases in japan fall to the hundreds after a summer peak so you know they went on a hardcore vaccination uh, campaign and uh, it's gone down 99% since August. Uh, 310 cases uh, nationwide. Cops rated every day. And so they have to scramble to hide the pod and everybody scatters. And then after the cops leave and they bully everybody, they get the pod back out and people start uh, buying it again. Uh, it's it kind of amazing that something would have been going on since the early 70s 
up until 2004, and then you've got to get uh, got to crack down on it. Um, but then Sweden, it has uh, some of the strictest uh, drug laws and policies, really in the in the world, not just in Europe. I mean, might I understand the the Swedish police can arrest you if they think that you're high. Like if you look high or you're acting high, they can they can actually take you in, I guess, and and test you at least or search you. I mean, I, wow, <laughs> what a joke! But, but it's just you have to wonder about. As, so you think America's bad? As as much as uh, I've, I've criticized America, and uh, say twenty years ago, I would have thought of of Europe as the more open-minded and enlightened continent. I just can't believe that they would be that uptight about legalizing uh, pot. And certainly if, I mean, was I hearing correctly that only 30% of Germans think it should be legal? Well, that's what uh, that one article said. According to this one article, right. So, but it's hard to believe that the new government would want to move forward doing it. And the number is actually that low. Yeah. I, I'd want to double check that. And <laughs> yeah. I, I've also heard that for some It might, time might now, be in that Bavarian ultra conservative area. Right. right. So that's the question is how much of it is of the article is driven by the slant from this one um, super conservative uh, reefer madness um, Deutschland style. Um, uh, perspective on on cannabis uh but berlin i think for some time has been pretty open about people just being able to smoke it and and i think that what the what they were talking about earlier is in many countries uh there's some form of decriminalization when it comes to pot which basically means if a person just has some pot and they're smoking it they're really not doing anything against the law um, but it's the making of the transaction and how is it supplied and how does one get access to it? That's where the criminality uh, gets involved. Uh, I've also heard that in Austria, of all places, that they've made it where you can go to a shop and get an immature pot plant and take it home and then grow it so that you can grow your own pot. And I, other uh, European countries have that same policy. I think Spain has it and also the Czech Republic. And so to get back to my earlier point that it could have a similar effect to when the early states did it back in 2012 in the United States, that um, other states, if Germany actually goes through and does this, I would bet you that within the next uh, two years, you could see some other countries uh, do it as well. And I would say Czech Republic and Spain would be the first two uh, that would would possibly do that. You know, Barcelona has cannabis clubs, which, which aren't like coffee shops in Amsterdam. I mean, they're not open to the public. You have to become a member. But from what I understand, it's not all that difficult to become a member uh, because it's legal to have your own private pot and to grow your own private pot. So as long as the club is a private organization it's just a bunch of people with their own private stash sharing it with each other so they um but it's 
man, oh man, like now that Canada's done this, and then if Mexico goes through and formalizes it on December the 15th, it's just such a waste to think, I mean, what is, and with a pandemic <laughs> going on and climate change, like why is this still, uh, do people have to cling to this lie that this is the dangerous thing that we <laughs> face? And I, mean, I, I think that part of it is as long as people can keep uh, fooling themselves and, and telling themselves a lie, they don't have to face the real dangers of the world. And it's easy to grandstand and act like you're doing something and standing for something good. You know, whereas as Thunberg puts it, you're really just full of blah, blah, blah. And uh, but yeah, cannabis prohibition is something that should have been over with a long time ago. And uh, so let's see if Germany actually follows through. Let's see if Mexico follows through. It would be something else if by the beginning of 2022, we had both Germany and Europe and Mexico and um, North America legalizing uh, cannabis. Well, it's just uh, the main thing holding back beyond just, uh, I mean, Biden's the number one thing at this point. Uh, if, if um, you know, he could do the federal, you know, descheduling. Right. At the stroke of a pen right now, and that would that would just send it right, you know, towards that would the direction. Set everything in motion. Yeah, it would set everything in motion. You could also instruct the Justice Department to quit prosecuting it. Right, which he's, they he's the executive, he's which the obviously executive. they can do because that's what they've done with all these legal states. Right, right. I mean, well, they not totally, but uh, to a certain extent, like the. Right. The half million pound things. I'm sure the feds are all over that because they get a bunch of money. And, uh, well, but I think it's that. that they're what, what they're setting it up for is they're trying to make it look like legalization doesn't work, so that mm -hmm. they can shut it all down again, mm -hmm. right? So if you make a big deal about these giant grows, right. then you can say, see, it it doesn't it doesn't work because this other state doesn't want to do it, and they have the right not to legalize pot they have the right to, and they have the freedom that's that's the that's the the phrase they have the freedom <laughs> to continue to put people in jail for smoking pot that's the way that jen Psaki would would put it but they absolutely have the right to keep putting people in jail they absolutely have the freedom you have the freedom in idaho to still go to jail you have the freedom in nebraska you have the freedom in kentucky to still go to jail for smoking pot Classic double, government, classic, a, classic double thing. Right. Can't, can't impose its will on, on, on the states. And uh, so they can make it say that as long as you have these non-legal states, that they're going to, that these legal states will be um, vulnerable to these illegal grows to supply the demand in the illegal states. So we just have to, we have to shut it all down. You also you might have read about how in uh, eastern Colorado a big illegal grow was discovered, and the way this happened is there was a fire right at the location where these, I guess, thousands of plants were being grown, and so when the uh, first responders came, the fire department comes, they're there to put out the fire, and oh look, there's a big grow here. Well, gee, I wonder who set the fire, like. <laughs> This thing just had in the article articles that reported on this, of course, 
never even went into that, right? Just the, the total obsolescence of journalism. No one thinks, okay, well, how did this fire get started? Do we, oh, it just happened to catch on fire. Okay. And look, there's a bunch of pot in there. So you, know, you don't have to fool with getting a warrant and going through all of the due process to, to shut this down. And of course the DA is, are the ones who set the fire and they did this <laughs> in, uh, in Vancouver, uh, oh, yeah. a few back, but like, almost 20 years ago it was a big story there were a, they had the two quasi coffee shops right there was the new amsterdam lounge and then there was um there was another one i, I can't think of it but they were on hastings street and they were uh, pretty close to one another and the new amsterdam cafe just happened to catch on fire and burn down gee i, I wonder how that happened i mean oh you can't say that you don't know it for sure well, I mean, okay, so so prove prove that I'm wrong, uh, and if you don't feel like doing that, then just <laughs> shut up because you know I'm right. I mean, that's the whole point of it. Just like just like uh, the the CIA is are the ones that are putting the fentanyl in the in the pot that's circulating in or the that have legalized it. Probably FBI there, maybe the. They haven't set up. Well, I mean, they're collaborating with the cartel right. to to make all of this happen. As if there's a big difference between the two. Right. Of course. Like it's who do you think wants to see everything stay illegal and violent and have to be settled with accumulating massive amounts of arms? But I guess on the whole, uh, you you would have to say that the that the weed situation is is still uh, pretty good. I mean, much yeah. better than it was 20 years ago. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I never imagined it would be where it is. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I, 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 I think, think. Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of been the argument for a while that this it's kind of. Um, you know what'll be all behind it and will be unfortunate is that it'll be a matter of mollifying um the quote stakeholders which in this case would be uh the uh security state um drug warriors and all their institutions they want to be you know they want to be compensated right so right. like in illinois they what was it? They hired a thousand new cops or something, you know, it's things like this that'll mollify them to be like, okay, well, you got to give us, a, you know, uh, it's a blackmail basically that, uh, start arresting you know, drunk people. I would hate for people to start getting busted in the suburbs, the white suburbs all of a sudden. Veiled threat. And of course, uh, the zealots are always going to be like that one guy. It's a dangerous society. Yeah. Well, the thing is, to the fact that that kind of that's that's another form of propaganda. I mean, calling it a fringe issue, you know, acting like it's this low class thing that weirdos do, the people who can't fit into society, inferior types. 
uh, need to smoke their, their weed. And then to, if you're even putting a comment like that in there, it's propagandistic because if, if you're going to put that comment in there, you're making the editorial judgment that it's a credible statement, that it's, it's something that still needs to be broadcast and should be a part of the discussion. And it's bullshit. Yeah. And as far as you're being positive, um, what, you know, in, in the statement, whenever um, Schumer was talking about his bill, uh, the Moore Act, you know, it was he talked extensively about the drug, the failure of the drug war. He said it in those terms. He wasn't just like we need to end, you know, legalized marijuana because it you know, talked about the drug war in general. So the fact that that is becoming part of this discussion with the powerful, that's actually uh, being uh, <laughs> thought about, uh, considered, is a positive thing. Um, well, I we'll still see. think that uh, the the Republican, right, the um, Republican from uh, South Carolina, I mean, introducing her own bill. Mm. Uh, yeah. That's that is certainly in, encouraging. I mean, and one has to think. I mean, the day is going to come when when Biden will finally be out of the way, and then you have to look at the Democrats and think. I mean, you you're running out of people that you can put in the White House that are still going to be these hardcore drug war Nazis. Uh, one, but at the one, same time, you never know because all it takes is whatever their views have been up to that point. Like if it's Pete Buttigieg, who I think they're grooming, he's going to be the next uh, Democrat presidential nominee. I think Harris is just totally way too unlikable and and non-charismatic to to, to get in there. Uh, But all it takes is for uh, whatever the person, their views have been up to that point, once you get into the White House, if they say, well, I think this is a fringe issue and it's something that we need to hold off on. We've got better things to worry about right now. Let the states decide. Um, I mean, just think, if they had said let the states decide during the civil rights movement, you, you would still have segregation in the South. I mean, hell, you still have uh, plantations and slaves and slave owners. Um, one of the sad things about this pandemic is the way we've seen that this, what a sham, the idea of, decentralized government and limited government means that it's really just a, uh, a euphemism or a, a twisted code to mean um, we can never do anything to help anyone <laughs> because we're a democracy. Don't want to make a bad example. We, we Democracy means we don't have, uh, we, we, we don't have the authority to help the people. <laughs> You can have the freedom to live under a bridge right. if you want to, you know, and that's what will happen if you don't your go. Choice. <laughs> you know, what can we do? The poor will always be with us. Would you us. like to go to war in Afghanistan or would you <laughs> like to go to war in Iraq? It's your choice. <laughs> okay, man. Sounds like a good one. For David Vernon Miller, this is Dr. David W. Overby, and you've been listening to the Oblivion Podcast. See you on the other side.